Welcome. You're listening to the Consensus State Change Podcast, an interview series inspired by the emerging decentralization phenomenon. Today, friend of consensus, Jehan Trembark joins to talk about state channels and his mesh networking project, Althea. Amin Soleimani, I know you're listening to this. Please excuse me for mispronouncing your name. Thanks for joining me on State Change, Jehan. Could you tell us a little bit about Avocado and uh, what you're uh, what you're achieving over there? Um, Avocado is just pretty much a, a basic uh, Ethereum state channels implementation. I've I've worked with or you know spoken with and worked with uh, with several consensus members like Martin uh, Kapelman and, and Amin. So I uh, I was doing a lot of research into state channels um, earlier this year, and I put this together just for Ethereum. Um, the the goal is uh, very generic. State channels. There's no. Uh, it doesn't dictate what you're going to do with it. It's not. It's not made for payments. It's. It's just any state, any sequence of bytes, two parties can agree on. I don't know how well versed people are necessarily with state channels as a concept, but it allows people. It allows two parties to uh, agree on a state, and there's a mechanism um, with uh, sort of closing that state to the blockchain that prevents um, either party from from using an old state. And then at some point, they both agree to close the channel and that, that state becomes valid. And the way that Avocado is structured is as an oracle. So it includes a judge contract and some off-chain code that you run onto computers. And um, the, 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 the parties agree on the state. And at some point, uh, they, they close it. And then the contract on the chain basically just says what that state is. And it's up to... Um, another contract somewhere, which I call the executive contract, which, which you know, the people implementing have to supply uh, to actually take action on that state. So what is the idea of state channels? What's the purpose behind it? What's the, why, why, why don't you just use, um, actually, you know, you know what, let's, would you like, would you mind giving us just a quick rundown of, of what state channels are? Okay. Yeah. So let's say you want to, you, you essentially want to agree on some states So blockchains are, uh, are just a way of recording things that have happened. State. So state is in this in this case any any kind of data, um, anything. And that's all blockchain does is like you change an account balance and then people are willing to take your money, you know that kind of thing. So a state channel is a way that me and you can agree on can, can agree on a state without actually having to send transactions to the blockchain. So we set up a contract. We start out by setting up a, a contract, uh, which is, you know, like the judge contract, or it's, it's different for different implementations in avocados, it's called the judge contract. And then we send transactions back and forth. So let's say uh, for a payment channel, it's, I'm, you know, I'm going to change the balances uh, so of, of this channel so that I'm paying you five ether or whatever. And I sign that, send that to you. And then you can take that to the blockchain and submit it to the judge contract. And um, it has both signatures. Then um, the judge will say, you know, these are the new balances. 
and and yeah, this this can be paid out. So uh, there's also a thing with sequence numbers. So basically, let's say we are trading these updates back and forth. So I'm giving you five dollars. You're giving me ten dollars, um, and and we're doing this by by we have these these this money in escrow to start out, and so we're altering these balances. And I could take an old update where it says that I have you know more money than I'm supposed to, and I could take that and give that to the blockchain, um, and you wouldn't be able to like defend against that except for the fact that state channels as part of their mechanism say every update has a sequence number and there's also a challenge period so when an update gets submitted to the blockchain the 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 contract has to wait for the challenge period to be over to consider that valid and if during that time someone comes with a newer update and submits that it overrides the old update as long as I'm checking back with the blockchain at least once every challenge period, let's say it's a week, at least once a week, I'm checking back to make sure that you haven't tried to submit an old state to the blockchain. I can I can always prevent you from cheating. Um, so that's kind of the, the idea behind state channels. That could be automated though, couldn't it? Yes, you could. Uh, so let's say me and you are, are like trading back and forth uh, these updates. If let's say I... I, I Put, I put through an update with, or you send me an update with an especially large amount of value or any update really, but let's just say it's a lot of value. So I care about it a lot. So I could then uh, send that, I could you know sign that update as well and then send it to a third party who would be instructed to you know post this to the blockchain if you see that someone has posted an earlier update. And so that way I don't have to be watching this third party could be, you'd have a whole distributed market with, with bounties in Avocado, actually, you can submit you can submit state updates um, to the judge contract, and it it doesn't close like it doesn't have to close the channel. So submitting an update and closing the channel are two separate things. So um, you can submit an update and have it there. So in case someone tries to submit an up an older update and close the channel with it, uh, it's it's not possible. But that of course incurs transaction costs to the blockchain. So it may indeed be cheaper to use third parties if, let's say, if the chain is being very heavily used and transaction costs are very high. So is this being integrated in Infura? I know Infura has their own, uh, has a state channel service that they are operating or are intending to to operate. Are you, are you working with them at all? Um, I actually, um, so my main, uh, my main project is called Althea, and this is to is incentivize mesh routing. So basically you have internet routers up, uh, you know, around a city, and they're able to pay each other for bandwidth uh, so you could have sort of a distributed ISP, as it were. Anyway, um, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, my research into state channels is part of that. And I was doing a lot of research earlier this year, put together Avocado as kind of a culmination of that. And... At this point, uh, I'm I'm just waiting. I'm I'm working on other stuff, and I'm waiting to see what develops with state channels in the Ethereum space. And I will use whatever is most mature um, when when it's you know when when I need that when I get to that point. So Avocado I see as being kind of uh, it's it's a great basic example for people to look at of sort of you know uh, very basic state channel. But I would, would like to hear about what they're doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I know that I, I'm not sure what the state of their um, of their implementation of state channels is, or if it's just a proposed uh, a proposed service that um, that they want to do on Infura, because obviously they 
they run a, uh, a bootstrapping infrastructure for distributed applications. So they have uh, they have pre-deployed IPFS and Ethereum nodes that you can query and uh, and oh, cool. access. Um, but there's also uh, Amin Soli Soliman. Uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I don't know how. To, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's got and done some incredible work um, on state channels. He's he's a he's a guru, and he's going to be giving a, a talk actually um, next. Friday, Friday the 19th at, at Galvanize, New York. You're, whereabouts are you? You're in California. Yeah, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with, I worked with Amin um, on Avocado a little bit, actually. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's great. And, yeah, I think he's doing a lot of, uh, you know, pushing state channels forward within, within consensus now. So it's very cool. As long as we're here, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us about your incentivized mesh routing service? Yeah, so it's um, the website is altheamesh.com, so A-L-T-H-E-A mesh.com. Uh, and the concept is basically, I was thinking about like internet access uh, in a lot of places, even San Francisco, which is very ironic, is pretty bad. And it's not due to the fact like we have, uh, we have very high capacity fiber lines going across the country, going across the ocean. Um, the backbone of the internet is very strong. The reason that service is often bad is because of last mile ISPs. And the reason that is, uh, as far as I can tell, is basically, let's say you want to start a last mile ISP. Last mile ISP takes, uh, there's, there's a connection point to the internet backbone somewhere. Uh, let's, you know, just around the, around the country, near major metropolitan areas. And they go, they hook up to that. There they can buy bandwidth, a very large amount of bandwidth in bulk, basically, for, for a very low cost per, per megabit. Uh, and then they, they set up a network. Um, around a city or around an area, they go around. They collect subscribers. Uh, you know, like Comcast, of course, had cable subscribers already, or other other kinds of ISPs or just an ISP. They they, they look for subscribers and they advertise and stuff. People sign up, uh, pay a monthly rate, and they use this network that's been set up basically to send their packets to the uplink, which is the the backbone connection point. And so the thing with this dynamic is if I want to compete with my local ISP, if I think they're not doing well, if I think I could do better or whatever, I would have to build out a whole network. I'd have to build out a network that is large enough to sustain an ISP business. I have to have enough subscribers that I can run an office and pay people to install stuff and pay lawyers to make deals, um, all this kind of stuff, you know? So it's like there's there's a barrier to entry, which is that you need to come in as a pretty large player in your area to be an ISP. So what Althea is trying to do is uh, distribute the role of the ISP so that basically you have a system where people can set up uh, wireless transmitters or, um, or routers attached with cables. They have to obviously lay the cable somewhere, which is a little more expensive. But so let's just say with wireless, people can set up wireless transmitters and End users, like if I want to get internet to my house, I just load up my Wi-Fi router at home with tokens running on the Ethereum blockchain or another blockchain or whatever. I load tokens in there, and as I use the internet, um, the people in my area who are transporting my packets to the uplink are getting paid automatically by the protocol. So what that does to the economic incentives is, let's say I'm mostly connecting through my neighbor, uh, who's got a really tall antenna, and he's able to He's, with a line of sight, line of sight is very important with radio. Uh, he's able to connect uh, to some node that's that's close to the uplink, and he's basically selling me the bandwidth automatically through the protocol. And I'm not happy with the prices I'm getting. Uh, I noticed that I'm having to put a lot of tokens into my router to pay for my internet and that. So 
I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend a few hundred dollars. Uh, I'm going to get my own tall antenna and I'm just going to cut him out of the equation. <laughs> and I can do that. And then I can also start uh, undercutting him and selling this access to, uh, to my neighbors. And um, so the idea here is you have a system where instead of there being a large barrier of entry to uh, anyone who's who's, you know, trying to trying to trying to come in and compete. You have a very small barrier of entry because the administrative costs and the coordination costs of having to set up a whole network have been removed. And the only cost that remains to somebody who wants to join the network is the cost of the equipment, which is actually relatively low. So I think that this could I'm still looking. I mean, I'm, I'm working on the on the underlying protocols a lot still. So it's not ready. Um, but uh, when I'm ready to launch it, we're probably going to look at areas that are near uplinks. Um, and right now, if you're near an uplink, you might not know it. Uh, you still, you're still paying the, the same amount as everyone else in the area because that's just what the ISP charges. But they could really spark this off by setting this up for people who are in the area around uplinks. For instance, there's Hurricane Electric in Fremont Bay Area. Uh, and they, they'd be getting really fast internet at really cheap rates. And of course, the further away you are from the uplink, the, the more expensive it gets. But that could, that could be a good way to start it off. It gets more expensive because you're paying, uh, you're paying additional fees for every time the, the signal is relayed, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's a, this is also a way that it differs from the way the internet's done right now. So the internet right now is done largely on a flat rate basis. I'm paying the same rate to send packets to my next door neighbor as I am to send packets to China. And that has a lot of benefits. And the backbone will continue to work that way. It's, it's good for a lot of reasons. But as far as where Althea operates on the last mile basis, the way it works basically is I pay the routers around me. When I send uh, the router next door, my neighbor, when I send them packets, I also send them a payment. And they take that packet and they send it uh, further along to the destination for another hop. And they send a payment along with that, except it's a little bit less than what I sent them. And so they're making a little bit of profit for each packet. Uh, And the more hops there are, um, the more profit will be taken. But once you get like, let's say it's 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 getting, you know, let's say it's getting pretty bad. Like there's a lot of hops and there's a lot of profit being taken. At that point, somebody could set up, somebody could recognize the business opportunity and set up a very powerful transmitter and make the investment and then, again, cut down on the costs. So that's kind of the theory. Fantastic. Hey, that was a really great little concise interview. Uh, it's a real pleasure to meet you, Jehan, and um, I hope you see more of your work coming down the pipeline. Definitely, we need better internet over here. <laughs> Where are you, in New York? Yeah, and it's just the internet at the consensus offices is appalling. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, San Francisco is not not great either. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it'd be nice if you guys could set up a big old antenna on your roof and uh, start uh, getting better internet and uh, making some money too. I'll write up a proposal. You should uh, you should send me some uh, <laughs> you should send me some numbers. Okay, all right. Talk to you later. Cheers. Take it easy, Jahan. Thanks for listening to State Change. Check out consensusmedia.net for more.